Today we are continuing our series called Short Stories, the Parables of Jesus. And I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to Hilton Head Island Community Church. I'm really glad that you guys are all here this morning. Uh, if you are here today in the house or if you're on, joining us online or if you're on the backstage patio, those are our survivors this morning out there in the heat. You guys can open up your Bible to the uh, book of Matthew chapter 13. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm really glad that you're here today. We're continuing this series, looking at these stories of Jesus. And before we dive in today to this next story of Jesus, I, I want to ask you a question to begin with. And I want you just to answer this honestly, just you and the Lord, right here in this place, wherever you may be today. Um, what have you come here for? What have you come here for? What have you come here to receive? What have you come to receive today from this great God we just sang about? From the Jesus that gives us salvation that we just gave praise to? What have you come here for today? Before we dive in, I want to ask you to pray and let's invite God's Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for these short, simple stories that have a robust, massive, heavenly, divine meaning. And would you allow those to penetrate our lives today as we look to your word? I pray that you would lead us and guide us. Holy Spirit, would you lead us into wisdom? Would you provide us understanding from your word? Most of all, I pray that it would pierce our hearts and Father, I pray that we would honestly, genuinely be able to answer the question, what have we come here for today? We love you. We pray that your name is high and lifted up in Jesus' name. I pray, amen, amen. Jesus is telling these stories, and we're going back a little bit to our first week in Matthew chapter 13, where we see Jesus, his ministry now begins, to he begins this kind of phase of his ministry where he tells stories. And I want to paint a picture of the way things were going back then in this day. We, we began a few weeks ago here, and we're coming back because this is a distinctive parable. It's one that many of you may be familiar with, but as in most of these parables, in most of these short stories that Jesus told, what we think it means, what we think the metaphor is, what we think the analogy is, what we think the parable is, it usually has a deeper meaning because it comes from the Son of God. And I want to paint a picture that Jesus had been performing miracles. He had been raising the dead. He had brought people back to life. He had been healing people who were sick. He had been performing all of these miracles. He had been teaching a message that is completely different than the message of religion. He had been talking about faith in God, and he had been talking about love, that God came to, to save us and to redeem us, and that he loves us, where religion was talking about rules and continues to do so today. And so Jesus is teaching this radical message. He is performing these radical miracles. He's doing amazing things, and word is getting out. Social media is a buzz in the first century with what Jesus is doing. And everyone wants to come and see this man who's performing these miracles and teaching these radical 
new lessons. And they want to hear the one who has this great theological nuance to his message that the other rabbis don't have. And so they're gathered around, and, and I love that Jesus does this. There's just so much energy and so much momentum and so much hype. And you think that, oh my goodness, Jesus is going to right now, he's asked us to sit down. He's about ready to perform one of these miracles. He's about ready to show us some divine-like act. And he sits down, and I can imagine Jesus kind of changing his tone as he says, please be seated. And he just simply says, let me tell you a story. And I'm sure there were a lot of people, philosophers and people who were intellects and academics who came to this today. And as he began to tell the story, they were like, this is it? This is it? I didn't come to hear a story. I came to see a scene. I came to you because I heard that you changed lives And I want to see this with my own eyes. And I would imagine that there were people who came for a lot of different reasons. The crowd gathered and they had come to see Jesus because they had heard about the miracles. They had seen or they had heard the radical message. They had seen what Jesus was doing. They had heard there was a rebellion and they wanted to be a part of the rebellion, right? They wanted to see and hear this man who was most radical. And most people in Matthew 13 and also repeated in two of the other Gospels probably were there and sitting down and listening to him. And they came because they had an expectation. Listen, I want you to hear this today of what they wanted from Jesus. They had something in their mind that they were projecting on to Jesus. And he goes and tells a simple story in a simple way. Get this, about a farmer. (laughs) And I'm sure that among the crowd, there were people who were let down. And don't you know that's, that's exactly what Jesus wanted in that moment. And then he begins to tell this parable. He begins to to recount this story, not with multi-sensory divine acts that were going on, not in a great podcast that he was interviewing one of the world's most renowned theologians, but he tells this story, and I want us to read it today from Matthew 13, 3 through 8, and then we're going to skip down to verse 18. Check this out. He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow... And he sowed some seeds that fell along a path. And the birds came, and they devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil. And immediately these seeds sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. Like my yard. Up until recently. And since they had no root, they withered away again like my yard, until recently. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out, like my yard, especially recently. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. 
And then Jesus in verses 9 through about 17 talks a little bit about hearing and he references the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And then he comes to the conclusion and one of the things that he says in the middle and we're not going to take a look at it today but he says, for those who have ears to hear let them hear. And then in verse 18 we pick things up. He says, hear then a bit of a play on words. Hear then the parable of the sower. And he explains this short story that he had just given, this short story that he had just told. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What has been sown in his heart, this is what was sown along the path. He's explaining the analogy of the soil that is the path. Verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case hundredfold, in another case sixty, and in another case he yields thirty. And so Jesus goes on at the end of Matthew 13 to explain this parable in detail. Now, this is a parable that's an extended metaphor. It's one that he goes on about. It's not one that he just says the, the, the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price. He goes on and on about the sower and the seeds and the soil. And I think we can take from that that this is probably a very meaningful parable to us. Spiritually, And I'm going to explain it in a minute, but I wanted to give you an idea of the crowd that joined because I believe that the crowd that was there is kind of the point of his parable in the first place. He's speaking to the crowd, and in this particular parable, Jesus is driving at why have you come here today? Why have you come? And that's my question to you, is why have you come, not here to this place, but why have you come to hear about Jesus? You see, there were very few people among the crowd that were actually genuinely there to find out about Jesus and how he could change their life. Most of the people there were there to do other things. And in fact, the parable itself would have been A little bit surprising because in that day and age, uh, in that time, in in that place, there was not much fertile soil. Have any of you ever been, raise your hand if you've been to the Holy Lands, and you've seen the dry and desert conditions that exist in most places, right? It's dry and arid, and it takes a lot to get something to grow. Again, like my yard, all right, until we've had the rain recently. And it's so interesting that Jesus uses this parable. I remember when Cynthia and I were first married, before we had kids, we 
we moved to Atlanta, and I went and worked for uh, an organization um, called Enjoy. John Maxwell was the leader of Enjoy. You might have heard that name before. He's written a lot of books, and he still, even to this day, uh, does uh, teachings on leadership development. He's an amazing, amazing man. And, and so I went and worked for Enjoy because a few of my college friends were there, but they had moved their whole location from San Diego to Atlanta. And I remember talking to one of my buddies, and I said, what was, what was the first thing that you noticed when, like, you arrived in Atlanta? And he said, trees. <laughs> Vegetation, green. He said, we were on the plane coming into land there in Hartsfield, and I looked around, and all I could see as far as the eye would go was green. It was the middle of the summer. And someone moving from San Diego would have been a little bit shocked to move to Atlanta at what they saw because it was so rich and green. And the hearers of that day and age would have had kind of the same impression, like, wait a minute, Jesus is talking about fertile soil? Not much of that around here. Or if there is, it's very difficult to attain. And as we focus on the crowd that had gathered, I believe that Jesus' story here is directed at the crowd that existed back then, but I think it's directed at us today. And I want to ask you some questions today before we dig in to the meaning of this. I, I want to ask you today, once again, why have you come here? Why have you come here? I believe that there were two groups of people in the crowd that day. There were those who, who were genuinely there to find out what Jesus could do to change their whole life, to change everything. They weren't there, listen, they weren't there to see a show. They weren't there to project something upon Jesus or to be prejudiced towards Jesus on what he could do for them. They were there genuinely interested in this one that, yes, they had heard about the miracles. Yes, they had seen all the social media posts. And those of you who aren't, they didn't have that back then, just in case you didn't pick up on that. But anyway, they, they had heard about Jesus, and they were interested in Jesus. But there were those who were there who were genuinely interested in what Jesus would do with their whole life. But most of the crowd that day, probably were a group of people who came for a reason that was less than genuine. There were some that were genuine followers and said, I am here and I am a follower and I hear you because Jesus had said, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. They were there, they were, said, I'm here and I'm here to follow, but I am also here to grow. I want to know how to grow in my faith walk. One of the words that's on our wall, one of our focuses, one of our values, one of our visions as a church. There were those that were there that had a genuine heart. They were suspect of Jesus, but they were interested because they had heard about changed lives. And they were there because perhaps this one, this man, could actually make a significant change in their life. There were those that were there that were bored, but they were open. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but some of you have come here today because you're bored, but you're open. Maybe somebody dragged you or was like, hey, lunch is yours if you come with me today to church, all right? So, 
Some of you didn't have anything else to do because the beach is, you're done with the beach and like, yeah, you're done with summer. And if you're local like me, you're done with the traffic. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But there were those, well, there were those that were there that were genuine, but there were those that were there that were phony. They were there for the reason to prove Jesus wrong. They wanted to prove him wrong. They wanted to reveal that maybe these things were not true, that they were fake, that they were just made up stories, that it was a show. They came to the show to prove the show wrong. Don't you love sitting by someone like that in a concert or at uh, an event? <laughs> like, that's not real. That's fake. That's funny. Just let me enjoy the thing, man. Come on. They were there to prove Jesus wrong. There were those that were demanding their will be done. Jesus, I might follow you Listen, if you will do this for me. I might follow you if you are this for me. If you meet my prejudice, not expectation. We should have an expectation of Jesus, but Jesus exists to save our souls, not to meet every single want that we have. And they were there that day that were projecting onto Jesus demanding that if they were going to be followers of him, that he meet their specific wants. There were those that had a detached curiosity. I don't know, this, is, this has made a difference in her life or his life. I don't think it's going to work. But you know what? I don't have anything better to do. I'm just going to be here. Why not? But it wasn't genuine, it was phony. And Jesus is there, and he gives this story to kind of burst the bubble of the crowd so that those who want him to be the political leader that they wanted him to be realize that's not why he came. Those that wanted him to meet the, the, the demands of their life to, to acclaim or to abundance, that he would say, that's not why I came, I came to save you from sin and death. And I came to give you heaven. And he burst the bubble of those who had a prejudicial criticism that, was, that were there to, to get him. And so Jesus simply says, for those who have ears to hear, let him hear what I have to say. And then he tells a story. You, you know, we can be... Uh, we can be hearing, but not really listening. How many of you have been guilty of that before in your life? Not just with Jesus. Man, we're really good at this, aren't we? Yeah, hon. Yeah, hon. Yeah, hon. Please, please don't ask me to repeat what you just said because there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. I wasn't really listening. I was just hearing. And you see, Jesus is saying with the soil, he's saying with this illustration, he's saying with this short story that there are many, many, many of you who are hearing but not listening to what he's saying. It's just background noise. A boat off in the distance, a car driving on 278, a vacuum cleaner in the house. Why have you come here? Why have you come here? Alistair Begg, my favorite Scottish preacher says, people come to Christ 
with their own expectations. They aren't looking for Christ to save them. They're looking for Christ to do what they want Christ to do. He goes on to say, you don't get grips with the mess. You don't uh, come to grips with the message of Jesus from the safe distance of detached curiosity. And you see, that's what Jesus is describing in this parable of the seed and the sower. With the seed and the sower, he is saying that the onus is on us. That's a legal term, onus. I used to think that onus meant on us. This is kind of the way it's spelled. But it's actually a legal term that means burden of proof. And what Jesus is describing here is, I have come to do all of these things so that you would see that I'm from God, but the burden of proof of faith is on you. He's saying to the crowd, it's on you. The onus is on you. The burden of proof of growing, of, of accepting, of believing, of having a dynamic faith walk is on us. The onus is on us. The burden of proof is on us. You know, many theologians will take this passage and they'll say that this, this soil, and we'll talk about the soil in a moment as we conclude, that the soil means that there are just certain people who can't come to Christ. So why even bother? And listen, I want to tell you, Christ follower, that cannot be the furthest thing from the truth. Jesus never says that here. He never says that here. He's describing you and he's describing me. He's saying, where are you spiritually? What have you come here for? I would say the theologians are wrong because the parable is telling a story about us. Not about them. Yes, it's telling us a spiritual condition about our lives. But what he means to say here is, is that there are many followers who have seen and heard Jesus and they themselves have rejected him. And that was the most people in the crowd and it's most people in the world and unfortunately it's most of us. But that doesn't mean that they cannot be saved. It doesn't mean that you cannot be saved. It just means that you haven't yet believed. It just means that you haven't yet chosen to get in the path, to get in the, the flow of the growth process that requires diving into the word of God. And in fact, that's what Jesus means. Let's take a look at the elements of the, the, the parable of the seed and the sower. It's so interesting. The sower is so much in the background. The farmer himself is in the background. Do you notice there's no description in detail of the farmer? What does it say? He's just a sower of seed. And I love that because let's be honest, there are so many people who are teaching or preaching the word of God that stand on stages like this who it is all about them. And listen, there are many people like you and I that when we're talking with our friends about Jesus, that it's just all about us. And Jesus spends no time on the sower, the one that's throwing the seed. When we're impressed or enamored with or caught up with the one who's bringing the word of God, we've missed the point. Because the point is God, right? It's Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about the one teaching. It's not about Justin. 
Ben or Josh or Cynthia or whoever's up here on stage, and I guarantee you these worship leaders that lead us in such great worship, their goal is for not, not for you to be enamored and impressed with them, but their goal is for you to be enamored and drawn to Jesus. That's their goal. And when we focus on the sower, we miss the point. The seed in the story is the word of God. Is this the gospel message? We can't forget that the word of God is the thing that leads us to him. Yes, God uses his Holy Spirit. Yes, he uses people. But it is the message of Jesus. And when we expect the church or a pastor or Christians to be about any other message, again, we're missing the point. <laughs> Side note here, I am going to fail you miserably and we as a church are going to fail you miserably if you have come here today seeking some kind of political talk. It will not happen in this church because we are going to preach the message of Jesus. And he came to save, not to focus on how we fix this. Do I have an opinion on how we fix this? Yeah, I do. Am I going to tell you about it privately? It depends. <laughs> Am I going to stand up here and talk about it? Absolutely not. Because what matters here is eternity. He spends no time on the sower. He spends time on the seed. Which is the word of God that changes us. But then he spends a lot of time on the soil. And just quickly to wrap up today. I want to talk about the soil. And I want you to ask yourself the question as I'm describing these different types of soil, four different types of soil that he describes, I, I want you to ask the question, where am I? Because the tendency is, honestly, to ask the question, where's everyone else? And that's not the intent of Jesus' story here. Please don't miss that. The intent of this parable is not for us as Christ followers to go, all right, I wonder, who, wonder what soil she is. I wonder what soil they are. We, we, that's a slippery slope when we begin to do that. This is intended for us to look at what kind of soil we are. And Jesus describes the path. That's like me uh, getting out my, um, my spreader and putting seed in it and walking up and down with my broadcast spreader on my driveway <laughs> and planting seed on a driveway. And Jesus said, some of the seed will fall on the path, and it just bounces around, and a few days later, that seed just shrivels up, and it dies, and nothing comes of it. And that's a hardened heart, unopened to God moving. It just bounces, it lays there, and it dies. He talks about the rocky soil. This is an instant and emotional response to God's word, a quick response that may be genuine, but it just doesn't go very deep in terms of this faith walk. And many of you may be rocky soil. Trust me, I've been there before. In terms of your growth, in terms of your acceptance, in terms of your belief, maybe your, your, your rocky soil where the seed goes down and into the ground and it pops up very quickly. But then as soon as the sun comes out, as soon as these rains are done, it's dead, withers up, and it, it dies. He describes the thorny soil. 
This is the enthusiastic, spiritually enthusiastic person that, that makes a commitment, but there are other beliefs and other isms in this world that are stronger in, in the life of the one who has the thorny soil than the seed, the word of God. And the seed may grow. The weed also may grow. Again, much like my yard. And it's so interesting how the weeds can grow quicker than the seed does. Because if we aren't focused on Jesus and him alone, if we allow other isms in there, if we allow anything that's not you know, Jesus into our faith, in terms of our faith, where our faith is, then, we can, then the thorns are going to grow. The weeds are going to germinate. They're going to take root, and they're going to grow. And eventually, the good stuff is choked out. I've been there, too. We've all been there. And the last that he describes is the good soil, or the fertile soil. It has been watered. It's been given fertilizer. It's been given the sunlight. And a seed that hits that fertile soil over time goes into the ground and over time it germinates and over time it springs up and over time it bears much fruit and over time you see this this kind of multiplier effect with the seed i, I remember as a kid growing my, my parents i don't know why they did this because i had no interest in this but maybe that's why um I, they they gave me seeds and i had to grow cucumber vines and I kind of, for like a minute, got into the cucumber vines, and I thought it was so cool. Okay, that's awesome, and I hope I'm not offending if you like to grow cucumber vines. I, I, I wish that I could do this more today. Um, but I remember I got just kind of like disappointed and discouraged by the whole thing because the guy who cuts the yard came to the back of the yard, and he saw all those things growing and sprouting up out of the ground, and he thought they were weeds and pulled them. So I'm not a farmer today, I think. Anyway, thanks, Dad. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. I'm... Here's the thing, the good soil, the fertile soil, is the one that is open to growth. My prayer, this is, I'm speaking to me, speaking to you, I'm speaking to all of us, is that you and I would be people, whether we believe yet or not, whether we've put our faith and our trust in Jesus for salvation or not yet, that we would be people who are open whose soil is ready for that seed. And that once the seed hits us, once we hear the good news, once we hear that gospel message, that's all that word means is good news, that we'd be open to growing. Those of you who don't yet have faith in Jesus would be open to the fact that he came, not for a political victory, not for a military victory, not for any other victory, other than a victory over sin and over death. And so today as we close, as we bring to close this, this parable that many of you have like read before, you've probably heard of before, my question to you again, why have you come? For what purpose have you come? Have you come here today with that Rocky, hard, spiritual, closed-off soil. You want to have anything to do with spiritual growth. You know what? You have that choice. You do have that choice. 
But I want to challenge you, whether your, your soil is the path or it's the rocky ground or it's the thorny soil, if you're one of those and you, you have this bias against Jesus or, or this thing that you want to project on Jesus that you want, you know, ambition or, or academics or success, that you, you want Jesus, you'll follow Jesus if that. My challenge to you today is that God can change your soil in a moment. In a moment. That's the difference is that he can change every bit of that soil. He can change the pH balance. He can take something that looks as horrible as my yard looked a few weeks ago. And he can change that in a moment. He can, he can take your hard heart, he can take your rocky soil and your, your path that seed just falls off and bounce, falls on and bounces off. And he can change that in a moment. Part of the onus of him doing the work that he wants to do in your life and in mine is to be an open. To be an open. And to be willing. What have you come here today for? Father, I want to pray right now for those who are in this place and in this house on the backstage patio, those who may be at home today, listening, watching. And I want to pray for those who find themselves and kind of identify with that, that hard path. It's just spiritually, there is nothing there hard as a rock. And the seeds of faith have just hit that hard path and bounce to the wayside and die. For those who have come here today and this, their spiritual life is there's just rocks everywhere. And yes, they had a moment where they followed you and they raised their hand or they stood or they came down and they prayed a prayer or they got baptized, but it was kind of short-lived. and It's just a rock. It's just hard to find any growth. And for those who are here today and they accepted you as their savior, maybe they put their faith in you a long time ago, but they've allowed other isms into the picture. And all those weeds have come in and sucked the life out of their growth with you. Father, I pray that you would give new life, that you would change the soil for those who are here in this place, for those who are listening, for those who are on the backstage patio. Father, I pray that you would change the soil of my life. Father, I pray that you would be the one who helps us to go from that place of closed to you, perhaps prejudice towards you, or perhaps just a mild curiosity really kind of bored with you. Father, may your Holy Spirit light that fire. May you do the work that you want to do in our lives. And may we be open, genuine, open to you working in our lives. For those who have never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I want to encourage you to do this after I'm done praying and after the service is over. I'm going to open up this door to my right under the screen to my right. If you want to talk with somebody about 
accepting Jesus as your Savior, entering into a faith walk with him, come and see one of our Stephen ministries, Stephen's ministers, or come and see me. We'd love to talk with you about that. And for those of you who came to this place and you have hard soil, I think it's time just to ask God to do a work in you. Maybe that he's done before. Maybe you've seen in someone else. But be open to his leading and his moving in your life. Father, we pray that you would do that in our lives, in this church, in our community and beyond. And I pray this in the strong and the mighty and the powerful name above all names, the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.